Hello and welcome to another episode of The Volume Knob. The songs that saved your life. This week, Will and The District Sleeps Alone Tonight. Hey friends, welcome to spring, or at least what passes for it here in Montreal. Last week I dropped the kids off at school. I had the temperature here at about minus 19 degrees Celsius with the wind chill. That's minus 2.3 Fahrenheit. For those of you in the United States, it's too much. I'm I'm done. I'm tapping out. Someone get me on a beach somewhere. I can't wait for spring to be here. That said, while I'm waiting, I am overwhelmingly lucky to be able to spend time with the lovely and talented people who come onto this show every couple of weeks, including this week's return guest. My name is Will Clegg, and I'm a filmmaker and storyteller living in Jersey City, New Jersey. And the song that saved my life is The District Sleeps Alone Tonight by the Postal Service. I don't want to sound highfalutin or anything, but in a way, Will's story made me think about Kierkegaard, of all things. It's not full of fear and trembling so much, but rather that old cliche that life must be lived forward, but can only be understood backward. More specifically, Will's story is about that moment when something you've been thinking about, maybe not even consciously, just clicks. When something you thought you understood truly reveals itself, be it a relationship with yourself or with someone else, or simply the lyrics of the song that saved your life. Here's Will. In March 2003, I was living in the East Village in New York City, and I was in a bit of a funk, to say the least. I was living in one of those tiny apartments that you see now on TikTok all the time when people are uh, are showing off like how ridiculously small apartment living can be in New York City. And I was living with a roommate and I had the small bedroom of the already hilariously small apartment. It was so tiny, in fact, that you could only fit a full-size bed. You know, the one that's like barely a double twin. There was a little place to stand next to it. That was the entire bedroom. And I was also working my first ever job out of college at that point in New Jersey. And if you're not from the New York area, it's a long commute from the East Village to New Jersey. And people don't move to the East Village so they can go work in New Jersey. And I was a film studies major in college. And I had these dreams of becoming the next Martin Scorsese or Jim Jarmusch, Stanley Kubrick even. But my job... In this post 9-11 world, the only one I could find was editing business news for CNBC, just barely adjacent to what I actually want to be doing in life. As if the long commutes to a dead-end job and the grayness of New York City winters weren't enough, Will was soon thrust into an even darker place when his grandfather died in North Carolina. It hit me really hard. It was really hard because I wasn't there. And, uh, and my entire family had been there and they, you know, had seen him be ill. I sort of didn't even, wasn't aware that he was sick until all of a sudden he was just gone. I never got to say goodbye. And, and I was really broken up about that. And so 
one afternoon in March, my, my girlfriend, Allison, comes over to try to cheer me up. And she's bearing a gift. And this gift is, uh, is a shrink wrap CD of a new band called The Postal Service. She gives me the CD and she's excitedly telling me about how much I'm going to love it. And I'm like, well, I've never, never heard of this band. And she's like, oh, they're new. And the, the singer is the singer from Death Cab for Cutie. That doesn't really tell me anything because I don't know who Death Cab for Cutie is either. And I feel like she probably knows this because we do share a lot of musical tastes. We talk about it a lot. We both love Tom Waits and Radiohead. And, uh, and she also likes a lot of pop music. And I figure that's, that's probably what this is, which I have never loved. I, I love Allison, so I, I decide I, I'll, I'll give this a shot, but I'm probably going to listen to it like after she leaves. Allison and I have been together for two years at this point. We met back in March of 2001 when I was directing a play at the school that we both went to in New York. And, and, and she walked in for this audition for one of the lead female roles. And just immediately I was thunderstruck. She's this uh, five foot nothing petite brunette with these piercing blue eyes. And, and she brought this confidence into the room that I hadn't seen from anybody else. And I just immediately was smitten. And before she even did her monologue, I knew we were definitely casting her. I was probably falling in love with her, but I was going to try to keep that under wraps, you know, be as professional as I could be as the director of this production. Though they tried to remain professional, one thing inevitably led to another for Will and Allison. There was a definite vibe between us the whole time. It became sort of a will they, won't they situation uh, among everybody else. And, and ultimately, one night after a rehearsal, we all went to a party in an apartment together. And, and we just kind of exploded into each other that evening. And it was bliss. The next day, actually, I left to go visit New Orleans for spring break. And while I was there, you know, drinking beers on Bourbon Street and taking mushrooms and walking around Audubon Park and having the time of my life, I couldn't stop thinking about Allison. And then one afternoon, I walk out of a pool hall with my buddies, and we're a little tipsy, and I see I have a new voicemail. And I pick it up and I listen. And it's Allison just calling to see how I'm doing and see if I'm having fun. And I can hear this, this nervous quiver in her voice like I, I like maybe she thought she shouldn't call yet you know it's too soon or something and she says how she's really excited to see me when I get back and I, I knew in that moment that this is somebody who I think I can spend the rest of my life with something I never thought before and then I get back and it's just two months of amazing head over heels puppy love I mean we spend every day and night together we sleep together in a twin bed every single night and then the end of the semester comes and we have to go our separate ways for the summer she goes back to Washington DC where she lives with her parents and I go off to Italy to study in air quotes I'm doing a study abroad program but I'm really acting in a play in Italian and getting college credit for it which is amazing and, uh, and meanwhile, I'm living with an elderly Italian couple and eating pizzas at sidewalk cafes and sipping espressos and making friends with the locals in the town. It's just perfect, idyllic experience. I really, really miss Allison, but I'm also having the time of my life there. 
As we do the play, I get really close to some of the local Italians there, and in particular there's this one woman named Elena. She's a little older than me, she's 25. She's also a brunette, but she has this little bob haircut. She's this voluptuous, beautiful woman who I don't think even really notices me, you know, but then we start to become friends throughout the rehearsal process. And, and by the end of it, we were, we were really close, like maybe dangerously close, I know, because I have a girlfriend and I'm sort of keeping her at arm's length. But then after our final performance, we have a cast party and I get a little tipsy on my red wine and at the end of the night, it's just the two of us hanging out. And she asks me if I really love my girlfriend. And there in the moonlight, she just looks so vulnerable in a way that I'd never seen her before. And I kissed her. I knew it was the wrong thing to do, but I did it anyway. And I should have just stopped it there. I mean, it could have been just a harmless kiss. That's it. I go back and I see Allison in three days. But instead, I just leaned into it. And when I went to Rome for my final three days of the trip, Elena came with me. And we stayed in a hotel room near the train station in Rome. And had this torturous affair for three days until I went back to Charlotte. I knew I'd done something really fucked up and I had to tell Allison about it. And as soon as I got back, I called her and I just spilled my guts and it broke her heart predictably, but she wanted to stay together. And I knew I had just poisoned the well. It was not going to be possible for us to have a, a healthy relationship after this. So I said, no. And I go back to New York a couple weeks later for my senior year of college I'm doing a great job of avoiding Allison at this point, and I'm actually talking to Elena still, and we're discussing maybe she's going to come to New York and live in my dorm room, which is completely bonkers, but I feel like I have to just be all in on this if I if I was going to break up with Allison and ruin this amazing relationship that I'd had, then the, the, the substitute had to be better somehow. Then the first week of classes for us is 9-11. And we're there in Manhattan on the day. And it just, it turned the world upside down for everybody, obviously, uh, in all the ways. But what it did for me more than anything was bring some clarity to who was most important in my life. Who did I think about? When the towers came down and I felt like the world was all crumbling around me, I thought about Allison. That night I called her and she came over. We talked until dawn. And the next day I called Elena and told her not to come to New York. I never spoke to her again. I am a So Allison and I tried to make it work for a year and a half after that, and turns out I was right. I had poisoned the well. Once the jealousy entered into the relationship, there was no putting it back away. I, we just we would fight, and we would break up, and then we would make up, and then there's just this endless cycle to the point where the relationship was getting to be really, really toxic. I am fine. 
Luckily for Will, he and Allison were at a good stage of their relationship when his grandfather died. She had brought him the Postal Service CD, so once she left his apartment, he decided to play it. I take that CD out and I pop it into the disc tray of my computer, and the first track comes on, and it's this weird synthy sound that I don't really dig, and then the the vocals start, and, and I, it's just like this sad hipster whining about a girl. I, I mean, I don't even make it all the way through the first track. I don't understand why she would give me this CD. She knew that I wouldn't like it. Like, is this the start of another fight? I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I take the CD out, and I hide it underneath a pile of books, and leave it there on my shelf couple weeks later Allison and I broke up for good she couldn't take it anymore I was exhausted as well I knew it was the right decision but she was really like all I had left at this point and I took it really badly and very shortly after we broke up I found out that my shitty job at CNBC was going away I was on a one-year contract and they told me that they couldn't renew the contract for budget reasons and uh I was going to have to find a new job come June 1st. And so I, I start to look. I'm feeling really despondent about the situation. It was hard enough to find a job in the first place. It had taken me three months to find you know, this one position. And, and then uh, just as my job is winding down, my other grandfather dies back in North Carolina. And when I'm at his funeral... I just start feeling like I got nothing left to fight for in New York. Maybe I'm just not cut out to survive there. And I make the hard decision to move back to Charlotte to live with my parents. And I get back there and I'm basically like Eeyore, just wandering around moping constantly my parents can't even get a smile out of me and what i really probably need is like a heavy course of therapy possibly some antidepressants but what i decide to do instead is go on a road trip i wanted to be a photographer in addition to a filmmaker i'd taken a ton of photography classes in college and i had this old nikon f3 and i, and I thought you know i got a little money saved from cnbc i've never seen most of the country i'm just gonna split out and take a thousand photos, build a portfolio. And when I get back, I'll try to find a job as a professional photographer. This seems like as good a plan as any at the time. And my parents, seeing that I was actually excited about anything at all, got behind me. And they even said that I could take the car that they had just purchased for my little sister to start driving because she'd just gotten her driver's license and she loved that idea, of course. But I said I'd only be gone for a couple of months. I would bring it back in one piece. And and so I, I set out on the road. First place I went was, uh, was back to New Orleans, the last place I could remember actually having a good time. And I stayed there with a friend of mine and I was planning to go out and, and photograph all the tourists on Bourbon Street and the parks and the, and, and the riverboats and all of it. But then the first day I was there, a tropical storm hit. Couldn't even go outside. Uh, and then when I finally did, everything was just, you know, broken and flooded. And I saw a different side of New Orleans for sure, but not, not really what I was expecting to. 
I moved on from there to, to Dallas, where I stayed with some friends and my parents. And it turns out, as I'm walking around their house, getting settled, there are pictures of the, the Bush family, like George W. Bush family around, around the house with my parents' friends. Like, they're, they're actual close family friends with the Bushes, who are like the people I hate the most in the world right now, especially after working in news for the last couple of years and watching his smug face every day and the mission accomplished banners. And they're, they're the sweetest people in the world. But I felt like I was a little bit living with the enemy while I was there. And they took me out to their lake house for the 4th of July with a bunch of their friends. And I got about as drunk as I've ever been on expensive scotch, took pictures of blurry fireworks and, and passed out on their couch. I took off the next morning to head out to New Mexico. As I'm driving in the West Texas highways, I'm getting a little sick of listening to Radiohead and Tom Waits all the time. I got about four albums on repeat, and I've been in the car for more than 20 hours at this point, so I decide I'm going to try something different. Open up my binder full of CDs, and I see the Postal Service. Not really something I necessarily want to listen to here. I don't even know why I brought it with me. I guess it's because it's the last thing that Allison gave me. It's like a little totem to remind me of her. And uh, I I decide to pop it in the disc player and, and give it another shot. And those first somber synth tones come on. And this time, I really connect to it. And when he starts singing, I hear the lyrics. The the song is actually about a guy who's visiting his girlfriend and the relationship is over and he knows it, but they just haven't accepted it yet. oh my god oh god this is me and Allison the day she gave it to me and then he gets to the refrain and he's singing I was finally seeing that I was the one worth leaving I'm just visiting That was that was 100% me. I mean, I'd done something unforgivable. I was worth leaving, and she made the right choice in leaving me. Tears start flowing down my face. I have to pull the car over to the side of the road for a little while, and the album keeps playing. And every next song is just uh, is more and more about my life. And I look at the album cover, and I realize that it's called "Give Up." It's an album about getting over a breakup. It's like she was giving it to me as a preparation. She knew what was going to happen. I mean, I guess I knew it too, but like she really was planning it already. And this was like a kind of training for what was coming next. And I guess it meant that, that she still cared in some way, but she knew that it was definitely over too. And that CD became a heavy part of my rotation for the rest of my trip. I would love to tell you that I 
made my peace with Allison and the breakup that day in West Texas on the two-lane highway, but that's not true. It would actually take me the better part of a decade, a couple failed relationships, and a very long course of therapy to work through all those issues, but that was a big first step to, to finding a new life for myself after Allison. Thanks for listening. The Volume Knob is a weekly exploration of music and the way it makes us feel. Many thanks to the talented Will Clegg for his vulnerability this week. Get over to the Volume Knob website, that's www.volumeknob.net, to read show notes with links to all sorts of things about Will, including information about The Lonely Road. It's a one-man show he recently performed in New York about his road trip and it features his photographs while you're on the website be sure to sign up for the volume knob newsletter my thanks as well to kate this week for her 30 second review of the district sleeps alone tonight so tell me what you think so i think that the overall song is for once an anticipated good but I feel that the beat gets a bit to the point where it's crowded and then not only does the beat get crowded but eventually so does the lyrics and even if it's the same word it's just going on and on so it's difficult to kind of hear what they're trying to be saying at a certain point I don't know if that makes sense I actually expected you to hate this so It wasn't it wasn't like I'm not like in love with it and I'm not like, oh my god, I love this. But I don't hate it. <laughs> What's so funny? Because <laughs> you hate everything. Okay, well that's disrespectful. <laughs> I love you. Katie out. Bye. As always, the volume knob is produced by Supplement Audio and hosted, mixed, edited, written, and sound designed by me. Keith the podcast producer who was something of a photographer himself in his mid-twenties. In fact, I showed some of my pictures to Will, including a few self-portraits. I don't think he liked the look of me, though. This sad hipster whining about a girl. I'll see you in a few weeks with another story about the songs that saved your life. <laughs>